I'm John Jones, an elder here at Christ Community Chapel, and here's what Romans 10.14 says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Hey everybody, uh, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. So, so glad that you are here. Welcome those of you at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online. Uh, welcome. Uh, it's important uh, to me that you are here. And this is, uh, I, I don't know really how to explain this. There are different weeks, I'm probably like anybody else, where there are different weeks where I need this more than other weeks, need to be in the midst of people uh, like you worshiping like we just did. Uh, this is one of those weeks. Uh, for no apparent reason, I just uh, have felt like this was medicine for my soul. I hope it is for you as well. All right? I love this church. I love all that we do between now and Christmas. Make sure you take advantage of the things that are happening. Uh, there are all kinds of things that are happening, from the Thanksgiving baskets to uh, Christmas shoeboxes to the Christmas concerts, a lot of stuff. Uh, just uh, soak it all in and be a part. All right? Okay, we are in the ninth week of this 10-week series that we're calling 10 Sentences to Change Your Life. 10 Sentences to Change Your Life, all taken from the book of Romans. I told you a couple weeks ago that Paul the Apostle, who is the author of Romans, uses logic a lot throughout Romans because he's not just going after your heart, he's going after your head. And he's asking all of us, think, think with me. And uh, this particular verse that we're going to look at today is no different. He uses logic as he goes through this verse. We had it read to us, but let me read it again. This is Romans chapter 10, verse 14. This is what it says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? I right, three questions, and so I have three points, all right? But let's be honest, I would have three points, regardless of how many questions Paul had. <clears throat> but the points kind of build on each other. My first point is everyone starts at the same place. Everyone starts at the same place. Therefore, everyone needs the same message. Everyone needs the same message, and it only makes sense that everyone needs someone to tell them that message. Everyone starts at the same place, everyone needs the same message, and everyone needs someone to tell them. All right, first, everyone starts at the same place. I was watching a movie with my wife last week, and there was a teenage girl who was one of the actors in this movie, and I didn't think she was particularly good. And I turned to my wife and I said, hey, I wonder whose niece she is. Right? It's probably unfair. I'm not a casting director. I'm probably not even a good critic of actors. Uh, but we all know that kind of thing happens. It's not what you know or how good you are. It's who you know. Because it's really hard to find a level playing field almost anywhere in our society. I just so was rereading <coughs> re Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers. And in that book, uh, Malcolm Gladwell says that in every strata of our society... There are unseen advantages that certain people have. We know that's true of academics. Right? Those of us who had 
parents who valued education, uh, who had access to good schools, who had the, could afford to go to college. Even that we are in a literate culture gives us an advantage, right? There are advantages in athletics, just in how you are born, who your parents are. My athletic career would have been much, much different had I been six foot ten instead of five foot ten, right? It's probably true of you as well. There are advantages and disadvantages to race. There's a lot of discussion about that in our country, but that's true in a lot of other countries as well. There's even an advantage to the era in which you were born. And I didn't even think about that until I heard Tim Keller, who's the pastor of Redeemer, was the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. He was talking to his church, which were a bunch of millennials, and he was trying to tell them that the vast majority of stuff that they think they can take pride in was uh, really just given to them and they had no control over it. And to drive home his point, he said, listen, if any of you were born in 10th century Mongolia, you wouldn't be bragging to anyone about where you got your MBA, right? Makes sense. There are advantages and disadvantages. One of the most amazing things about Christianity, it can be either amazing or annoying, depending on whether you are used to starting ahead of people or behind people, is this. The Bible teaches that everyone starts out in the same place in relation to God and with their spiritual condition. Everybody starts out in the exact same place. Genesis chapter 3, which tells the story of what happened to our very first parents, Adam and Eve. God tells Adam and Eve, do not eat from the tree that's right in the middle of the garden. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. And they eat of that fruit, and they don't drop over dead right away. It's not like it was poison fruit, but something happens to them, and they begin to die. It's like this plant. If I take this plant, Come on, you can't be, can't be that sympathetic about a plant. It's like, oh no, right? This plant is now dead, right? It doesn't look dead, but you know it is. Eventually, it will look more and more dead. And the only reason it is is because it's now been separated from the source of its life. That's what the Bible teaches about every human being, that we are not spiritually sick. There's a difference between being sick and being dead. Right? I mean, if you're sick, there are people who might be more sick or less sick than you. But if you're dead, there's no one more dead or less dead than you. You're just dead. This is what the Bible teaches about every human being, which is why in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He says it again in Colossians chapter 2. It's all over the Bible. And this makes things different. It means that everyone starts out in the exact same place. So it doesn't matter whether you were born in sub-Sahara Africa or in Hudson, Ohio. It doesn't matter whether you were born in the 10th century or the 21st century. It doesn't matter who your parents are, how wealthy you are, how educated you are. It doesn't even matter how moral or immoral you are. What the Bible says is that every single person in relationship to God Their spiritual condition is the same. You are exactly in the same spot as the people sitting around you. That means at least two things. First, it means you're not better than anyone else. (laughs) 
right? Let me just tell you again, right? You're not better than anyone else. And I know you're, you're going, yeah, yeah, okay, I know that. Move on, right? <laughs> but I need you to kind of get that because uh, all of us spend every day feeling like we're better than certain people. It's really hard not to. I can be in the grocery store and somebody gets in front of me, in front of the line, the express line, they have 14 items, I count them. <laughs> Obviously, I'm better, at least at math, right? <laughs> we are all doing that, so this is what I want you to do, okay? Uh, you don't have to say it very loud, but I want you to say it loud enough for you to hear it. I want you to say, I'm not better than anyone else. Are right, you ready? One, two, three. That's good. All right, that's just true. Okay, I want you to hang on to that. The gospel is the great antidote for feeling superior to other people. One of the problems with churches is that we tend to forget that. No matter what we believe about the gospel, we end up feeling like we are better than other people, which is why there's a phrase that's called holier than thou that applies, that started in churches like ours. Right, so be careful, because the, the first point that we, are, we start in the same place as everyone else is that you're not better than anyone else. The second thing is this, you're not worse than anyone else. You're not worse than anyone else. There are some of you who came in, and if, if I asked you about your life, you'd be going, oh, I, you don't want to hear about my life. You don't know what I've done. You look around, you think these people are so much better than you. They know more about the Bible than you. You don't know about how to pray. You've never, you haven't been in a church in years. All of that, I want you to know you are not any worse than anyone else. Okay, so well, at the count of three, I want you to say that just quietly to yourself. Ready? One, two, three. I'm not worse than anyone else, right? That's the first point. We start out in the exact same place. Second point is, if that's true, then everyone needs the same message. And this is what's really, really interesting about Christianity. Because Christianity says the message that everyone needs is called good news. That's what the gospel is. It's news, not advice. If you are spiritually sick, and that's what every other religion teaches, what you need is advice. You need somebody to say, oh, you just need to get a little bit better. And the vast majority of people believe that they're good people who need just to be a little bit better, and then God will approve of them. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that what you need to know is news, which is not something you do. It's something that's already been done. In October 3rd, I I finished preaching in the second service, this service. And I sat down on the front row, and uh, my wife was in Houston because my daughter, Becca, was in labor, uh, giving birth to her first child. And I checked my phone, and I got the news that uh, it had happened, right? There There wasn't advice. That was just news. I could choose to believe it, or I could doubt it, but I looked at it on my phone, and I chose to believe it, and then I was showing everybody around me while the worship team was up here playing. I'm going, hey, look, look at this, right? Because it changed something inside of me, right? I, I, and it was nothing that I did. It was just news that I got. That's what the Bible says is the gospel. Spiritually, that's what you need more than anything else. That's what Zach talked about last week. The passage was chapter 10, verse 9, where it says this, 
If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? That's the news, right? Which means that there are a couple things that it means. One, it means that anyone can be saved. Anyone can be saved. Because it doesn't matter what you do, it's been done for you. All you have to do is believe that Jesus lived in your place and died in your place and resurrected, and you will be saved. That means that no matter who you are or where you came from or how you've lived your life, that if you believe that news, you will change. You know, I changed a little bit when I found out that I had a grandson, a new grandson. When I found out that I could become alive spiritually, that I could be reconnected to God, not based on what I do, but what has been done for me, when I believe that news, everything changed about me. That's what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians when he says, if you believe, then you become a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things have become new, right? So the first thing that it means, if everyone needs the same message, is that anyone can be saved. And the second thing is that your paradigm has to change. And what, I, what I mean by that is the vast majority of people believe in, uh, when it comes to spiritual things, they believe in what I call the seesaw. Or you go outside and you begin to knock on doors in a neighborhood and you say, hey, let me ask you this. If there is a heaven, how do you get there? The vast majority of people will, will say the seesaw. They'll say, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know, but if, if you're, I think if your good deeds, if you're a good person and your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you'll kind of, you'll tip this way. And when you die, you'll slide into the good place, which is heaven. And if your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds, God forbid, you slide probably into the other place, right? That's the way people believe. But if this is true, that everyone needs the same message, and the message is news and not advice, and the message is that Jesus already did something for you. That means everything is switched. Everything changes, right? It, it means that your goodness is not dependent on what you do, but what has been done for you and attributed to you. It means that your sins are no longer yours to bear, but that Jesus took care of those on the cross. It means the only way to get to heaven is to admit you don't belong there. And the only way to come alive is to admit that you're dead. Right? Christianity changes everything because it's news and not advice. That's why in Acts chapter 16, uh, the author of Acts, who is Luke, tells three stories back to back to back. Right? He tells, the first story he tells is about a woman named Lydia. She is a wealthy, educated, religious woman. Then the next story he tells is about a slave girl, and she is an abused, exploited, uh, powerless girl. And the third story he tells is about a Roman centurion who is a cruel, pagan, secular soldier. And at the end of the chapter, all three are saved. Why? Because they all started out in the exact same place, no matter how they lived their lives. They understood the exact same message, which was news and not advice. And they believed it and were changed. The last point that Paul makes is if that's true, that everyone starts out in the same place and everyone needs the same message, then it makes sense that everyone needs someone to tell them. 
Everyone needs someone to tell them. Listen, if you've been here for these nine weeks, you've heard us talk a lot about the gospel. One of the dangers of a church like ours is that whenever we start talking about the gospel, it's easy if you've been a Christian for a long time to think that we are targeting people who have not yet come to know Jesus. But I want you to be careful with that because the gospel is something that I think is the absolute center, the white hot center of what it means to be a follower and to be, a, to be a follower of Jesus and to know God. And the deeper that goes, the more you will be changed. I think when, you, when we get to heaven and we say to God, God, what was the most important thing to hear over and over and over again? He would say, the, the, what you need to learn is this, that I love you and that I sent Jesus for you. And he lived in your place, died in your place, and came alive. That's all you need to know. All right, so that's one of the... One of the dangers, but if you've been waiting this series to have something applied to you, if you're a follower of Christ, you've been a follower of Christ for a while, this is it. This is it. This is what Paul says, is that if we are going to be obedient followers of Jesus, we need to tell other people. Paul says, how will they know unless there is a preacher? Another version says, how will they know unless someone tells them? And this is the problem. If you've been a Christian for a long time, uh, one of the things that happens is you end up falling in love with Jesus. You end up getting involved with Bible studies. You come to church. You get more and more involved in this place. And we love that. But what happens is that you lose all your relationships with people who are far away from God. I saw a graph years ago. There was a a y-axis and an x-axis like this. The y-axis was the number of people that you have relationships with that are not Christians. And then the x-axis was how many years you've been a Christian. And what they, sh- they showed through research is that there's an inverted line. That by the time you've been a Christian for like 10 years, you have very, very few non-Christian relationships. Which means by the time you are the most prepared to share your faith, you have no one to share it with. We have three huge goals here at CCC. They are represented by the three hallways outside in the atrium. Everyone, every community, everywhere. We say everyone, we're saying that we are praying that in the next 30 years, everyone within a 10-mile radius of this church will have a Christ-following friend. Every community means that we believe that every community in Northeast Ohio should have a gospel-preaching church where they can hear about Jesus. We feel like our part is to start 60 churches in the next 30 years. Everywhere, we are going to try to give $30 million to global missions so that places that have never heard about Jesus will have somebody who can tell them. Every single one of those goals came from this verse. Every one of our huge goals is because of Romans 10, 14, where Paul says everyone starts in the same place. Everyone needs the same message. That means everyone needs someone, someone to tell them. All right. That means at least a couple things. One, it means we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. If you go to a reimagined class, which is like our membership class, you'll find out that what we want every member of our church to do is to serve somewhere inside the walls of this church. And we do that because we feel like being a servant changes you from being a consumer to being something better, right? 
So we want everybody to be serving, and then we want everybody to have a growth opportunity where they are growing in their faith. But the third thing is we're saying we want everyone out in the community making a, making, being a Christ-following friend for someone. And that's because we want to be intentional. All right? But the other thing that it means is not just that we have to be intentional. We have to use our words. We have to use our words. You know, I'll see a, a young mother with a child and uh, the child's throwing a tantrum or, or something, and the, the mother will say, hey, honey, honey, use your words. Use your words, right? There's a famous quote that's been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. And the famous quote is this, uh, preach the gospel every day, and if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel every day, and if necessary, use words. I understand what that quote is getting after. I mean, you have to live your faith if you want people to listen to your faith. But unless you use words to tell people about Jesus, they will never really know Jesus. That's what Paul says. How will they know unless someone tells them? Listen, if you are a Christian today, it's because someone told you. Someone told you. And you believed, and it has absolutely changed your life. This is what I want you to do. I want you to think of one person and write their name down that you can begin praying for and then look for an opportunity to share with them, to tell them. Because Jesus did for them the exact same thing he has done for you. And they just need to know it. At least they need the opportunity to believe the news or disbelieve the news. All right, we're going to celebrate baptism. We have 22 people that are being baptized across our services. These are people who have heard the news, who have responded to Jesus and said, I believe, and then they want to make it public by saying, this is what I'm doing so that everyone knows that I believe the news about Jesus. Let's be a church that spreads that news because people need to hear it. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, uh, we come to you and we are, uh, I am so grateful. I am grateful for uh, this place, for what you have done uh, in lives uh, all throughout this church. I'm grateful what you've done in my life. I pray that you would help us to be a, a place that spreads the news, that reminds ourselves every day that we all start out in the same place. We're not better or worse than anyone, but that everyone needs the same message, all of our neighbors, all of our friends, and then let us be the ones to share that news because it is good news. Thanks. Thanks for these people who are going to be baptized. Thanks for what you've done in their lives. Thanks for the opportunity to celebrate with them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.